Well, I see here they're, they're chanting Ramaswamy vice president. Huh. I don't know where that was, but uh, the, the, the beat goes on. I mean, here we have a news channel refusing to run a former president's uh, victory speech because they say they have an obligation not to run lies. CNN, not run lies? Well, they've been at the heart of many of them, haven't they? Anyway, good afternoon. There's some sunshine out there. You might find it hard to find, but there's some sunshine out there. Yay! You can say that again. Yay! There you go. Wednesday, also known as Hump Day. We're there. We're middle of the week. The 17th day of January. Welcome into the Paul W. Smith Focus Show. Dave Rieger, our producer, busy, busy boy. He's doing about six different things now. Danielle Mason, also a busy, busy, not boy, but lady. Danielle Mason running all the controls. And Rich Luzinski, our WJR traffic and weather first. You hear him throughout the day, and he's doing a nice job for us as well. Uh, lots uh, going on here. Oh, I, you know, I'm behind on birthdays because I've been on the road. I've been traveling, uh, all of that. So let me, tra- let me see where I have to go back. I go back to Sunday where our friend Barry Brim of Rexair, the rainbow vacuum king, I like to think of him. Barry Brim celebrated his birthday on Sunday. A belated happy birthday to you yesterday while we were on location broadcasting. Uh, I I didn't mention another important birthday, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert celebrated his birthday yesterday. Today, David Ladd. I'm not sure where David is right now, but he's been in the auto industry, and we've worked with him for years. And also today, Gregory Eaton, the great one, the gentleman who is on with us every year, at least once for the Super Bowl, because he is one of the very few people around that has been to every Super Bowl. And, of course, he's looking forward to this next one, and wouldn't it be great, after all these years, Gregory, wouldn't it be great if our Detroit Lions would be in that Super Bowl? But Gregory Eaton of Metro Cars and so much more, happy birthday to you, Gregory. You're a great man, and uh, we always look forward to talking to you and seeing you. All right, there's a lot going on. Are you all right? Uh, you know, uh, Rieger, he, he finishes a show like yesterday. He goes up to Ann Arbor and does a show for now, at this point now in the season, uh, Michigan hockey. And then I don't know where he goes. I hope he goes someplace to get something to eat and then rest his head. Did you get any sleep? Are you all right? I'm good. Okay. Yes. I usually try to get um, five to six hours of sleep if I can. Good for you. Five to six is pretty good. Yeah, I bet Although we, we all need seven to eight, they say. I'm not sure what the latest number is, but seven or I've eight. Never been, I've never been a one who sleeps a lot at night. So, um, You yeah. generally sleep during the day, like during our show? No. Is that what you're saying? No, no. No, I, I, don't, I don't really nap. I guess, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't really get a lot. Of, I don't really need a lot of sleep. I never have. Well, you're still young. True. When I was younger, I needed less sleep, or at least I thought I did. But I could use more sleep now. Anyway, big big changes here. This uh, well, I don't follow this closely, but I always thought that Mark Stewart, who joined uh, Stellantis in 2018 from Amazon.com, uh, is being replaced. Stellantis NV 
uh, yesterday saying it's replacing its chief operating officer in North America with its president of Mexico. A sign, they say, in Brianna Noble's Detroit News column, a sign, they say, of the pivotal moment the automaker faces as it enters the all-electric market in the continent, Carlos Zarlenga will take over from Mark Stewart starting February 1st. I think Mark Stewart did a great job. I, You know, I'm not in there, so I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I can't help but think this has something to do. Some of the many ramifications... Uh, that we'll see after the UAW negotiations. Somehow or another, i I got to believe it's somehow or another in there. And believe me, there'll be much more following that. But be that as it may, we wish Mark Stewart well with whatever he does next, whatever other big company picks him up. As we learned yesterday from our broadcast, the sector leaders in Michigan showed modestly increasing optimism in the economic outlook and that Michigan indeed is a good place to do business. That was from the annual uh, survey results from Ann Arbor's Baker Strategy Group, as listed again by Brianna Noble in the Detroit News. The state posted improvements in four of five key measurements identified by the constituency with a question around whether the state is a great place for young professionals, which is the only one that we didn't do so well in. But we had all those people uh, on our show yesterday talking about what they learned. You can probably find the podcast at thegreatvoice.com, which I would suggest you do. If you missed any of the interviews, thegreatvoice.com will have them. And you'll see what these people were talking about because it, it affects all of us. It, I would say, I would say as long as the Lions keep winning, it's a good for economically for the city of Detroit, I'll tell you that. Well, the fact that they won the first game and have a second game is good economically for the city of Detroit. I mean, I mean we're talking millions of dollars brought millions. into the city yeah. for, uh, for these, for these uh, playoff games. Mm-hmm. It's all good. And they could potentially have a third playoff game at Ford Field if uh, the cards all fall correctly. All right, but one game at a time. Correct. Is is my school of thought on I this. So Don't let's... get too far ahead, I know. <laughs> That's true. Why do I have to tell you if you already know it? <laughs> um, I Speaking of bringing in money into our community, uh, the 2024 Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear, Roger Penske, Bud Denker, Chairman, Michael Montry, President Ray Scott, the president, CEO of Lear Corporation. They're looking now for some more volunteers. Building on the momentum of the record-breaking Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear in the event's return to the streets of downtown Detroit last year, the Grand Prix's official volunteer organization now accepting new member applications for this year, 2024, the, it's called the Detroit Grand Prix Association, DGPA, and they're looking for approximately 800 more community-focused people to help host the popular May 31st through June 2nd event on the streets of our Motor City. Volunteer information and registration now available online at DetroitGP.com forward slash volunteer. DetroitGP.com forward slash volunteer. And Lear Corporation returns in 2024 as the proud sponsor of the Grand Prix Volunteer Program. That's you know that's a that's a lot of fun. It's work, 
you do do work, and you're volunteering, just as they say. But it's a, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime uh, experience to be a part of that. You can always get information about the race, DetroitGP.com, overall. Congress announces a tax deal to expand child tax credit and breaks for business. You know, it sounds too good to be true. So you know what they say about things that sound too good to be true? Well, of course you do. And Elon Musk is looking for another massive payday. I had no idea because I didn't pay that much attention to him until really lately. I just didn't. He just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I've had more respect with him being able to reland rockets and stuff. Did you know, Rieger, you probably knew you stay on top of this stuff. In 2018, Elon Musk's performance bonus, his performance bonus in 2018, are you sitting down, was $55 billion. $55 billion. This is just unsurprised. Well, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, I always hear about all these big salaries and such but that's just mind-blowing beyond belief and they're doing worse now than they ever have and he's looking for another big payday yeah i saw he's got like these trucks there with some um that it's like some kind of bitcoin or some kind of something going on i saw that yeah (laughs) yeah they probably were brinks trucks backing up to get the bonus yeah Unbelievable. All right, lots going on. Uh, unfortunately, still so much uh, going on in the Middle East. Uh, it, it will never end. It's been going on forever. We will see uh, what the very latest is on all of that. Jonathan Savage will uh, join us and talk a little bit about that. Coming up as we uh, welcome you in on this Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day, to Focus and Paul W. Smith, WJR. I always get a kick out of that uh, rejoiner, Um, uh, the music that's being played right now. I I have a a story that just came in minutes, not even an hour ago. The Israel Defense Forces say, and maybe they had this in the news at the uh, top of the hour. I didn't hear it all. The Israel Defense Forces say a top Hamas official who was in charge of investigating suspects of espionage against the terrorist group in the Gaza Strip has been taken out in a military operation. That is to say he has, as Rush, whose birthday was last week, uh, as Rush used to say, he has assumed room temperature. Uh, That's not what we're talking about right now, but it's just the crazy world over there, not knowing who's fighting whom anymore. But now we have Iran's Revolutionary Guard saying they attacked the spy headquarters of Israel in Iraq's semi-autonomous Kurdistan region. Uh, That was reported late uh, Monday. The elite force said they also struck in Syria against the Islamic State. You need a program to find out who's fighting whom here, but at least we have the best to talk to about this. That's Jonathan Savage, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, on this story that the Revolutionary Guards have attacked Israel's, quote, spy headquarters in Iraq and vow more revenge. And the dateline is Dubai and Baghdad. Jonathan, welcome back to the program. Try to make some sense of all this for us, will you? 
Yeah, who's fighting whom? Well, the short answer is Iran. Uh, Paul is fighting everyone. Uh, they've hit three other countries with airstrikes in the past couple of days. Uh, so let's run through them, shall we? Uh, firstly, they hit ISIS targets in Syria. Secondly, uh, and probably most attention-grabbingly, in northern Iraq, they hit the alleged headquarters of the Israeli spy agency Mossad. Now, that's a claim that's impossible to verify. And then thirdly, and most recently, they have carried out airstrikes in Pakistan, targeting bases belonging to a Sunni Muslim separatist group. Now, as you'd imagine, this is causing concern, not to mention anger, around the region. Iraq has recalled its ambassador. Pakistan has recalled its ambassador. The United States, uh, whose consulate was close to where one attack took place, called the strikes reckless and imprecise. The Arab League is going to hold an emergency meeting. Wow, they've got their hands full, don't they? I just wish that whole part of the world would just disappear, but I guess I can wish all I want, and it's not going to happen. And they're going to continue to cause trouble here in these United States among people we don't really give a rat's behind about in the end. Because all they can do is wreck our lives. I don't see anything they're doing to make our lives better. Period. Yeah, I don't think Iran has the intention of making... Your life better, unfortunately, or my life better, that's for sure. Um, they, you know, the, the question, of course, is they, they may not be trying to make our life better. Are they trying to make our lives actively worse? Will they go uh, and target U.S. Um, personnel directly? Um, you know, they could have madly, badly miscalculated or an accident could have happened. They could have hit the U.S. consulate in Erbil. In fact, there were some erroneous social media reports saying the consulate was hit. Um, nothing to them, fortunately. Uh, that, of course, would have very dire consequences. And Iran seeming to have this doctrine of raising tension, but coming short of getting involved in a full-scale war. So is the Arab League uh, something that could be depended on to really rise up and go against what's happening here? Or are they like the mealy-mouthed uh, United Nations here in our country? It's it's really more of an economic organization. It's a bit of a security organization too, um, and it it's um, it actually it, you, you sort of think it covers sort of Saudi Arabia, Middle East area, it stretches right across uh, North Africa as well, and east, uh, on the Horn of Africa too. Um, I, I don't think it's likely to result in in a massive change. It's not it's not got the kind of weight that you know NATO has, for example. It does, it's not that kind of a line. Um, but it certainly tells you that there are a lot of countries who are really concerned about what Iran is doing. Iran does not have that many friends in the region. Um, it's sort of got an alliance with, with Russia to a certain extent. It's got other countries that it's been trying to build alliances with. But Iran is really somewhat isolated, even uh, in the Middle East, in this, this uh, part of the world where tribal loyalties, religious loyalties run so deep. Well, just as um, <clears throat> excuse me, Hamas doesn't care about the Palestinian people, uh, they're just uh, useful to them, uh, it appears that uh, Iran, who funds the Houthis, doesn't really care about the Houthis, doesn't give a hoot about the Houthis, uh, because they, they send them off to be killed with, with regularity, and it doesn't seem to matter. This is sort of how Iran operates. It supports... Uh, groups which are sort of ideologically similar, um, the sort of Shia Muslim ideology, uh, the 
the they use these groups to annoy, to target, to harass the what Iran see as their enemies. Iran, of course, doesn't believe Israel should exist, and that's why it's only too happy to continue to fund the likes of Hamas and the likes of Hezbollah, who have had wars with Israel in the past. But uh, Hamas doesn't want to go to war. Sorry, Iran doesn't want to go to war with Israel. It sort of just wants to keep them in check, as it were. And that's how it, how it uses um, these uh, these, rebel, these rebellious organizations. And, and the sad reality is, even though they don't get along themselves, they are united in hating the United States and Israel. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, Iran and the United States, of course, have, have had so many issues of disagreement um, based on nuclear weapons, based on um, religious conflict, based on Israel, uh, based on territorial disputes. And, um, you know, there's, there's no real sign of any kind of rapprochement. There's no real sign of any uh, opportunity for these countries to to even declare any kind of truce because it's so ingrained in Iranian political culture to have this enemy in the United States just as it has this enemy in Israel. It's almost defining. Jonathan Savage with us, always doing a great job. So on this other story that came out an hour, maybe less than an hour ago, the uh, Israel Defense Force is saying a top Hamas official who was, quote, in charge of investigating suspects of espionage, end of quote, against the terrorist group in the Gaza Strip has been taken out uh, in this military operation. Well, that's a big deal there. Is that a big deal overall? Um, it, it's it's certainly uh, something that Israel is very pleased to trumpet. Um, his name is Bilal Nofal. He was uh, an important Hamas intelligence official um, and in charge, uh, in fact, he was in charge of investigating uh, espionage suspects. He was a sort of interrogator, I suppose, sort of uh, counterintelligence. Um, so I expect he was probably quite a feared figure within Hamas and within Gaza. So uh, I think it's going to be something which Israel will be very pleased to do. It's going to be a, a, a blow to Hamas in terms of their morale, in terms of their structure. It's not the sort of thing which is going to cause a shift in the war, the way I would think. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Our Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor extraordinaire, Jonathan Savage. Thank you, Jonathan. We always appreciate your good work. Thank you. Take care. We continue with Paul W. Smith. I'm trying to think of the the smell of almonds at the auto show. I, I, I maybe I was always too busy to notice, but I don't remember that. I remember the smell of the leather interiors, the new car smell from all the different vehicles, and looking forward to. Uh, yet again, the new and improved uh, North American International Detroit Auto Show coming up in January of 25. Back to where we were kind of used to it. Anyway, there's a lot going on. Yesterday, we were a part of the 2024 Michigan Economic Outlook. We had uh, Hillary Doe on, Chief Growth Officer, State of Michigan. Uh, obviously, Quentin L. Messer, Jr., the CEO of the MEDC. Gabriel Ehrlich, Director of Research, Seminar and Quantitative Economics from the University of Michigan. The presiding officer was Stephen Davis and the moderator, Daniel Howes, of the Detroit News. And uh, and one of the good sponsors was one of the good companies that we have, um, and they've been a good company for a very long time, DTE Energy. 
And now Dearborn and DTE Energy are partnering to produce renewable energy in municipal buildings, a partnership that will provide electricity to all city buildings from wind and solar energy sources to reduce pollution emissions. To tell us all about it, the Director of Renewable Solutions at DTE Energy, Knox Cameron. Knox, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? I am doing very well and uh, a proud customer of DTE Energy for a number of years now. Thank you for all your service and to all the hardworking men and women who get out there uh, all the time, no matter what the weather is, to keep the power going. We appreciate that. This is a big story, however, as I understand it, Knox, because this is going to make Dearborn the largest municipality in the state to enroll in your My Green Power. Tell us about it. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, we are very proud of the partnership with the city of Dearborn. Uh, the city of Dearborn is the largest municipality to uh, partner with DTE on this initiative through the My Green Power program. And essentially, the city of Dearborn uh, buildings uh, will be attributing their electricity usage uh, to DT Energy's uh, utility-scale wind and solar parks that are across the state of Michigan. And the program is a convenient and an affordable uh, way for municipalities and quite frankly, all of our customers uh, to be able to make a meaningful impact on the environment in a cost-effective way uh, without actually doing anything to their existing properties. So uh, incredible program and we have strong partners like the city of Dearborn and many others uh, who are helping uh, these efforts across the state of Michigan. We, we've been concerned in the past, and rightfully so, if, if we were going to be able to use the energy sources of the wind and, uh, and around here, solar energy, et, et cetera, uh, to reduce uh, polluted emissions. Uh, we know that, pollution emissions, I should say. But we also were concerned about having enough to really power us. And, uh, and Dearborn is setting a stake here with you, saying uh, it's going to happen by 2026. Overall, how is that... Uh, that 20-year plan going? Yeah, well, the plan is going quite well. Uh, and, and Paul W., this is really in an effort to uh, combat climate change. As we think about uh, thinking about new uh, renewable energy uh, production, this is all about helping Michigan um, improve and, um, quite frankly, the world improve. And so, uh, we are on a path to do just that, to be uh, decarbonized by 2050, and the progress is very strong uh, to date. Uh, I will say by about 2042 or so, uh, we will have enough renewable energy uh, production to power almost 5 million homes, and so that is significant. Um, we're certainly proud of that vision and, and, and the pathway to that, and, and a lot of it hinges on uh, partnerships and customers like the city of Dearborn as they as they think about making a meaningful impact on the environment. We've got uh, Knox Cameron, Director, Renewable Solutions at DTE Energy with us, and I understand that the My Green Power is the largest utility green tariff program in all of the United States. It is a big deal. We're excited by it, Paul. Um, it's, it's incredible news that we received a, a few short months ago. And um, an independent uh, third-party organization tracks program types of this sort. And DTE was certainly recognized as such. And it's really 
recognizing the strong demand for a program of this sort and the strong participation from our 2.3 million electric customers in a program of this sort where we're investing in utility scale wind and solar projects and customers are purchasing portions of the output of said um, projects. And, and, and there are key value propositions to the program. Uh, Paul, one of the main ones is that these customers do not have to do anything to their existing building and footprint. Uh, they leave that all up to DTE to develop these projects. And so they are just attributing their overall usage uh, to said renewable energy projects. So uh, we're delighted, proud of the accomplishment, but it just sets the stage for future years of continued growth in, in, in this regard. And we're, 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 we're very excited. You had a pretty good lineup joining Dearborn now in this. Uh, other participants in DTE's My Green Power include Ford Motor Company, not surprised with Bill Ford at the at the lead of that. He's been way ahead of the game for years. Uh, General Motors uh, Corporation, University of Michigan, the Detroit Zoo, and various state government buildings. So as, as demand for more clean energy solutions grows, uh, My Green Power continues to prove itself, as you just explained, as a turnkey solution to addressing those needs. Well, thank you for for highlighting that. Um, we're we're certainly appreciative of our existing customers. You've mentioned some of the larger ones, and for these folks, they're demonstrating strong environmental leadership uh, by enrolling in a program of this sort as they think about uh, their decarbonization efforts and their um, interest in growing renewable energy adoption. They've certainly turned their attention to DTE as that solution provider. And I'm beyond delighted that we've been able to meet their needs thus far and the continued uh, demand remains strong. And so we're excited to be servicing our, our customers and uh, we, can, we, we, we view it as an absolute honor and a privilege to do so. And as our customers have these demands, we're, we're excited to meet it. Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right to feel good about this and a job well done. And speaking of jobs well done, Steve Gregorian, the CEO of the Detroit Economic Club, will be welcoming the boss, Jerry Norcia, chairman and CEO of DTE Energy, board chair of the American Gas Association as well with the presiding officer, Jeff Donofrio, president and CEO of Business Leaders for Michigan, and the moderator, Sandy Pierce, board chair of the Detroit Economic Club, come Tuesday, February 6th, advancing the energy backbone of Michigan's economy, utilizing all the tools in the toolbox. Keynote again, Jerry Norcia, the chairman and CEO of DTE Energy there for the Economic Club of Detroit. So I know you're probably looking forward to that one as well, Knox. Absolutely. Looking forward to it for sure. Talk to you soon. Thanks for keeping uh, in touch and letting us know how things are going. Absolute pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Knox Cameron, Director, Renewable Solutions, DTE Energy with Paul W. Smith at WJR. Twenty twenty four is here and it's time to embrace positive changes and healthy habits. Whether you want a more active lifestyle, a change in diet, or cutting out sugary drinks, make reaching your goals even easier with AbsoPure's thirty day free trial offer. AbsoPure offers a variety of bottled water for home or office delivery, including all natural spring water, steam distilled drinking water, my favorite. 
And AbsoPure Plus, well, actually, AbsoPure Plus is my favorite. That's the one I have on my desk at all times. With the electrolytes. It's steam distilled with electrolytes. Now, each variety, ranging from individual bottles to five-gallon jugs, you should visit AbsoPure.com forward slash WJR. That's AbsoPure.com forward slash WJR. And sign up for AbsoPure's 30-day free trial. You'll receive a water cooler and three five-gallon bottles free for 30 days with no obligation to continue. I know you'll want to, and so will your family. And by the way, AbsoPure's throwing in a bonus 24-pack of AbsoPure Plus electrolyte water, my favorite water, just for trying AbsoPure's delivery services. This is a no-brainer here. Stay hydrated and stay healthy with AbsoPure bottled water. Visit AbsoPure.com forward slash WJR. That's AbsoPure.com forward slash WJR. Get it delivered direct today. 1245, we continue on WJR 760. As we continue on this Wednesday, there's news all around us, internationally, nationally, and locally, some we'd like to avoid as best we can. But luckily, uh, esteemed attorney Todd Flood stays on top of all of these stories. As a managing partner of Flood Law, he's here to talk to us a little bit about something that's uh, very important in Oakland County, a judge allowing Oxford shooting victim testimony and video at the parents' trials, a jury will be able to hear testimony from two witnesses at the Oxford High School shooting and see a video from the 2021 massacre during the shooter's parents' trials. Despite their attorneys' attempts to get it banned from the proceeding, Todd, those attorneys are just doing what good attorneys are supposed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they made their objection. Uh, the courts uh, obviously made the ruling and allowed the evidence in as it's relevant to a preliminary or relevant to a fact in the in question. So, yeah, it, it, as we discussed before, I, we predicted that it would be allowed in. This is a homicide case. So certainly you're going to be able to show evidence of the homicide and see the homicide. It's very prejudicial, but the well, prejudice I, doesn't outweigh the relevance of the homicide. When I read this, it's, they say things like, uh, it's undeniably unforgettable, sickening, and evokes only the strongest of emotion. And what? Yeah, right, it should, right, right. and that's that's why it should be allowed. But as I well, say, the attorney's only doing what the attorney is supposed to do, uh, even if it's ridiculous. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, here, look at the facts of the case. Is it relevant to show that this shooter was uh, in a mental state of? Spiraling out of control? Yeah, it is. The jurors are going to see that. The jurors are going to hear testimony about that because the prosecution has to prove and show that giving this person a gun that he depicted in a picture uh, on the day of the shooting and a day prior to the shooting in the drawings, that they should never have given him a gun because they knew something bad was going to happen. He was either going to kill himself or kill someone else or injure someone else. So they have to prove these, these elements and showing the video and hearing the testimony about what took place and showing the homicide obviously is going to be relevant. And we might note again and again and again uh, ad nauseum that um, 
This hasn't happened before. You'll be able to explain it better than me, Todd Flood, but um, that in all of the terrorist activity and shootings that other people have done uh, at schools, at churches, at uh, shopping centers, whatever, um, we've never heard of the parents being brought in and being held accountable and responsible. So really the country is watching this. Yes. So, you know, there's some distinctions here. You're absolutely right. There's never been a parent held accountable. Um, and, he, you know, Karen McDonald's not prosecuting this, the parents because they're terrible parents. She's prosecuting them because she believes uh, that they violated the statute and violated the law. And we have had cases in Michigan and throughout the country where parents have been charged for an individual act where they uh, left the gun out and a child shot a child and they've, they've, been, they've been charged with child endangerment or, or involuntary manslaughter. Those are one-on-one acts. Never in our country have we ever had anything like this with regards to a mass shooting. So the, the fact of the matter is, is Karen McDonald, the prosecutor for Oakland County, has taken the statute, taken the case law, looked at the elements, and said that the parents, in her opinion, and it got bound over in this court of appeals, have, has agreed with it that there's enough to show probable cause that they acted in gross negligence. Had they just simply uh, never got this kid a gun, put him into counseling, uh, you know, that may have been a different story, and it may have put us in a position that we're not here today. Yeah, but that's, that's what this true. is about. It's really quite simple. Yeah. That is true. That is that. I mean, when we sit back uh, retrospect, uh, it's true. Everything you just said. I, a quick note here, and I'm not asking you to uh, get into the prosecutor's uh, th- uh, thought process, but maybe you've heard, maybe you know, one of the people they were going to call that these people were trying to get them not to call was the student, Keegan Gregory, who witnessed Justin Schilling being killed in a bathroom, and now the prosecutors have noted they no longer will be calling Keegan as a witness. Any ideas why? There's so many different potential reasons. You know, this is a young, young kid, a young 17 boy, at the time. I think he 17. was 17. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can, I, I know all of these uh, kids have to be uh, traumatized. The ones that were there and he was right there. I, I don't know the particulars, but if you don't need if you if you have enough evidence, and I make this uh, I make this case real quick that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg, right? Underneath this, there's going to be a lot of facts and a lot of evidence that Karen McDonald has. If she doesn't need to call this young man, what's the what's the need to put him through the the traumatic experience? Yeah, of going I, that, through it I, I wondered if that was it. I like that. I mean, I that, that's humanity. That's humane, uh, and it's yeah. going to be tough yeah. enough for the teacher Molly Darnell. Who right, was shot? Right. Who was shot? And and uh, also the assistant principal, Christy Gibson Marshall, who saw the shooter and even talked to him just before he was arrested. So maybe that is enough, you know. And they said, "Let's yeah, leave the kid alone." Right, right. And there's so much more. I, I I can assure you, Paul W. When we think we know facts, we think you know the public has read. Everyone's read this and may have an opinion because they. they but there's so much more, I'm sure, I'm certain of it, that will come out in this case um, that it, we'll see. And um, the defense, uh, they have some viable defenses. You know, they can point to, well, that's 
that's the young man that did the shooting, not us, right? So it's, it's going to be very interesting, this case. Um, and there's a lot of evidence, I'm sure, that we haven't seen. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks for using your expertise for us and making it all easy for us to understand. Managing partner, Flood Law, Todd Flood. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Thank you, Paul W. Go Lions. Go Lions is absolutely right. Well, that is the truth as we get closer to that action. We'll hear, too, from uh, Dave Rieger what his thoughts are on that coming up soon. And more. We've got more here on this Wednesday with Paul W. Smith at WJR. I hope you're having a good afternoon on your way to making each and every day count. Each day is a gift, even these bitter cold ones. It's getting warmer, if you can say if you can say this is warmer. Uh, it's all relative, you know, as we speak. Are you streaming us yet? It's a lot of fun. It's easy. It's the future, and the future is now. Stream us live, WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. Get the WJR app. That's You probably already have that. That's a really good app to have, the WJR app. And when you want to hear the show uh, or interviews of the show or the whole show, you can go to thegreatvoice.com for podcasts. So if you can't be with us from noon to 2, I understand. I've heard that from a lot of people. Miss me in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a great morning show now, JR Mornings. But the fact of the matter is we're on noon to 2. And you can play us and listen to us at any time of day that works for you at thegreatvoice.com for the podcasts. Costco, one of my favorite places on earth, although I haven't been there in a long time, Costco is testing out a system that requires members to scan their membership cards at the store entrance. Instead of doing what we do now, we just flash our card to the employees, and our card now is a, is a credit card, the only one they accept. But this comes as the retail giant aims to decrease the number of non-members who are sneaking in with other membership cards, membership cards that don't belong to them, particularly since the company expanded self-checkout. Now, I never even thought about that. It just never occurred to me. Do we, any of you guys have Costco cards? Do you go to Costco on a regular basis? Are you members of Costco, Dave Rieger? Daniel Mason? Anybody? Can you hear me now, Paul? Yeah, I couldn't hear you before. Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, first of all, this is, is Costco now Netflix? Is that what this is? <laughs> I was thinking about all the people who've gotten away with having their family members do use uh, Netflix and other things Not like that. Not to mention, that. you can walk into Costco for free without having a membership to get, to ba- to get I think, cigarettes, alcohol, and prescriptions, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is that right? Yes. I, never, I don't, I I don't think that. you need a membership. So. This seems kind of silly. Well, I don't know. I've been a member for so long. I just never, I just never thought of it another way, honestly. But I, I mean, but yeah, it's a, it's totally. Um, uh, if so, so they're worried about people giving the membership cards and not yeah, being members the, to go shop. Yeah, because okay. we pay because of the self, yeah, because of the self checkout, right? Well, besides, I never would use that, but because of the fee we pay, we are able to get things. Good brand name things at a very good price. Right. You don't use self checkout at Costco. I don't use self checkout anywhere. Really? No. Uh, I I will only use self checkout. It's the so much. Day, e- it's so much easier. The day, the day I'm standing in line at a regular checkout and I see the self checkout line go flawlessly without somebody having to go over and help somebody, 
might be the day I'll start to do a self-checkout. I get it. It's sometimes the um, it takes time for them to get over and help when there's uh, yes, multiple and, things and going if on. If it was working flawlessly, they wouldn't have to get right. over and help. But I, yeah, uh, but this I, reminds me of yeah. of what Kim uses all the time and lambastes me for not doing it, and that is using the voice uh, system on my iPhone to send a text or a message or whatever. She's always talking into it's it. It's pretty good. It works pretty good. Yeah, except when you're the husband and you start to ask the wife something and you've screwed her up while she's, I didn't realize she was talking to to her texts and then oh. I screw her up. And she's, <laughs> it's been the source of problems. But the, but And she says, I can't believe you don't do this. Well, here's why I, I don't do it. Because I do, if you've gotten texts from me. I mean, we've all gotten texts from people who clearly have not read their text. Sure, right. Whether they did it by voice or did it by writing, they didn't look at it. It's and they because, sent it to us, yeah. and we go, what the heck? Yeah, because autocorrect sometimes changes the words. Yeah. Yes. 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 And, and jeez, uh, I can give you one. Well, uh, remind me to give you one if we have time at the end of this. I wanted to ask you a serious question here. I, I don't do the... I've done it a few times. Like if I'm driving, I try not to do messages anyway. But if I am, I do them only as voice. And they're so wrong usually. So when I'm on on land and not flying or driving or doing anything, I just type it out. It doesn't sure. take me that long, and I, right. I get it right. And I look right. at it, and I go, okay, and then I send it. Right. It takes me longer to correct the problems. Now, I know that the voice thing is better than it ever used to be. I understand that. Yeah, it's gotten better, yes. For sure. I got it. All right. I'll give you this one quickly. I can't. I don't want to read it because I don't want to go off this story about Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. And my my wonderful niece, Dr. Jessica Burns in Toledo, fabulous surgeon, couldn't be more proud of her. She calls me UP, Uncle Paul. And then when we're talking about her kids, she calls me GUP, Great Uncle Paul. Get it? You get that, right? Sure. So, so. I got a message from her the other day saying, how do you pee? <laughs> how do you pee? And so I sent her a message back explaining how I peed. <laughs> but I knew what happened. She was saying, how are you? You pee. That's great. <laughs> so she laughed. I laughed and uh, whatever. Now, somebody just, I, I hate to go off this story. Okay. Self-checkout is so much faster than regular checkout. Even when there is an issue. That is from Keith Newell. Keith is never shy about Keith is sharing right. his thoughts. Keith is right. I'm sure he might be. So notice how I said he might be. Oh, now I lost the story. Doggone it. I hate this You were going to talk about Belichick and Harbaugh? Yes, but I had some information there. So oh, okay. it's, it, it, it was Atlanta, right? Correct. They both, have interviewed with, they both have interviewed with Atlanta. Correct. I mean, think about this. Yes. You got a new guy, basically, in Jim Harbaugh, a young guy. Mm-hmm. And you got an old guy in Belichick, and they're right. looking at both ends of the spectrum there. Yes, they are. Sure. Because they're saying they will do anything to get to and win the Super Bowl. Now, do you believe all that? Is that all true? Uh -huh. oh, I don't sure. know anything about Atlanta. Oh, yeah, definitely. Atlanta, well, if you remember Atlanta was, they should have won the Super Bowl. They had the, the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history to the Patriots. Yeah, I wouldn't have remembered that. And that was a couple years back. They were up twenty-eight to three, and then lost in overtime. So, yeah, I can see they they probably want to get back. Right, they also, they, they also lost to the Broncos in the Super Bowl too, but we won't talk about that. They've lost twice in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. 
I just read a story in the free press today talking about the hole you get in your soul if you lose. <laughs> that seems dramatic, doesn't it? The hole you get in uh-huh. your soul if you lose a Super Bowl. It's horrible. Even it, if you win one yes. after that, you yes. never forget that hole of losing you one. You know, I am a believer in the the losses stick with you longer than the wins. Well, unfortunately. My team, my team has won three Super Bowls, but I still remember the five Super Bowls that they've lost. Well, that's, that's, that's a lot of them. First of all, yeah. you should celebrate. They got there those five times. Well, yeah, I, but I, it doesn't I work celebrate. that way. Well, I, I know cel- it doesn't I ce- work. Yeah, that I celebrate way. seven of the eight because the first one I was only four years old. So, well, I, I, at four you weren't. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I. No, 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 not at four. No, I don't know. Danielle, doesn't that surprise? Uh, it surprises me. Does that surprise you, Danielle? That at four, I can. I figured at even four, he was like he is now. Um, you know, probably. But I do yeah. have a question. How do you celebrate them, Dave? How do you celebrate the win? You celebrate. Go, I, I, you know, I do it. You m- raise the roof. Or... I max out my credit card buying buying paraphernalia. Wow. <laughs> buying super. I have so much Super Bowl stuff. Oh yeah, that's 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 exactly. How would you celebrate it? Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I get. You know what? I have one bit of Super Bowl paraphernalia. I don't remember what year it was. You probably do. But apparently the San Francisco 49ers were in Detroit for Super Bowl. Yeah, the Pontiac, Sil- correct? Pa- Pontiac Silverdome. They beat the Bengals, yep. I found a San Francisco 49ers cowboy hat, Ooh. a cheap one, but a cowboy hat. <laughs> okay. It was cheap, felt, whatever. Just I mean, with the, there are good ones that are felt. But anyway, it had the San Francisco 49ers logo on the front of the cowboy hat. And I found it on the ground in a parking lot, so I picked it up. That was it for me. <laughs> okay. That was the only Super Bowl paraphernalia I've ever had. Did they win or lose? They won. Well, why would someone throw the hat away? I don't know. You weren't at the Super Bowl when it was here at Fort Field? Actually, I was, but I didn't buy any uh, paraphernalia. Okay. Didn't keep uh, a The biggest thing for anything? me was to run into Condoleezza Rice, wow. who I had interviewed, and she told me with a straight face, because she meant it, she one day wanted to be the NFL commissioner. Do you remember I, I that story? It. And you know she is part of the ownership team of the, Denver, of the Denver Broncos. God bless her. Yeah. And she she's also uh, one of the very few female members of Augusta. Correct. She's She was a very accomplished person. The only thing she had held against her by the media and others was that she was conservative or Republican. But don't even get me started down that path. It is uh, time to move along. We've got lots more to talk about in our final hour here, the Paul W. Smith Focus Show on WJR. Well, we've got Jared uh, Halpern here. He's always very helpful. Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor looking ahead now after uh, President Trump's blowout in Iowa, looking ahead to New Hampshire. And uh, Jared says the... All indications are he's going to have a little bit tougher road to go uh, in uh, in New Hampshire. Jared, welcome back to the Paul W. Smith Show. Nice to have you here. Nice to have, uh, nice to be back. Thank you. Uh, Donald Trump's commanding victory in Iowa mm-hmm. really underscores his enduring appeal to a whole bunch of Republican voters, and and it would also indicate that his he's got a sophisticated campaign, data driven ground game, but. The next nominating contest in New Hampshire is going to test whether he can replicate that success 
in a less conservative state. What say you? No, I think that's right. And I think it is probably the biggest test that that former President Trump faces just because the way that the the primary system works in New Hampshire is so different than the caucus system uh, in Iowa. And obviously the politics are a little bit different. To your point, it is a much more independent, much more moderate state, a more secular state. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, the, the old school kind of Reagan Republicanism in that state versus some of the more uh, conservative uh, MAGA Republicanism that, that you certainly see in places like Iowa. But that being said, um, if you look at the dominance that Trump had in Iowa, you see uh, that his uh, appeal is much broader among Republicans than even it was in 2016. Remember, he came in second in Iowa in 2016, but the areas where he underperformed uh, for uh, eight years ago, uh, he more than made up for this time around. He was much stronger, for instance, uh, with Republicans with a college degree. He was much stronger in the suburbs, much stronger in the cities, much stronger uh, amongst people who even uh, consider themselves independents or moderates. And so that may show that he has strength in a place like New Hampshire. Now, is it going to be as dominant as it was in Iowa? Maybe not. But if he wins and wins running away in New Hampshire, I, I don't know, Paul, if it, where, where else any other candidate goes, right? I mean, we talk a lot about Nikki Haley, and she has put a lot of her – uh, campaign viability in a strong performance in New Hampshire. That's because if there is a Republican primary that best suits her, that is it, right? It is a state, as I said, that is uh, kind of more moderately Republican. Um, she has the backing of uh, the governor, Chris Sununu, who is from uh, as a, a political dynasty family as, as they come in New Hampshire. Um, there are Democrats and independents who vote in the Republican primary. They are allowed to can kind of vote in whichever primary you want. You basically have an uncontested Democratic primary, which is going to drive up interest in the Republican primary. And all of that means that, that the conditions are as good as they're probably going to get for Nikki Haley, right? So if yeah. Trump is able to prevail over all of that, boy, that, that may put an end for all intents and purposes to, to this race. I, I was talking to one of our decision desk folks here at Fox just a couple of, of hours ago, and he said that you know, you may not hear the fat lady sing, but she certainly will be uh, warming up the vocal cords. <laughs> well, I'm glad they put it that way. That's well put. Um, so in New Hampshire, they say now Trump 39 percent, Haley 32 percent, Christie in third place. Uh, it must be why uh, Florida Governor DeSantis is already shifting his staff to South Carolina. Yeah. It's like he's throwing in the towel here. Yeah, I mean, he was never, as I said, each campaign has to kind of figure out where they think that they are strongest. And for DeSantis, that has always been Iowa and South Carolina. He was never sort of expected to, to perform real well in New Hampshire, hasn't spent a lot of, uh, you know, money, infrastructure, time, investment there. Um, what I am curious about with New Hampshire is how the winnowing field affects that. When, when Chris Christie ended his campaign, he did not endorse anybody, did not endorse Nikki Haley, but his 10 or 12% of support in New Hampshire uh, is viewed to probably mostly benefit Haley. She is the, the candidate probably to benefit most from that. Conversely, now that Ramaswamy is out, 
you got to think almost all of that support goes to Trump. And so I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, how the, these developments late here in, in the process kind of influence uh, those margins. Again, because if Haley is only 10 or 12 points back, you know, as I said, if everything falls into place, all of those conditions are right, um, you know, they're, they're, you can see a path there. You know, uh, uh, Haley's uh, obviously pretty smart. She said she's not going to participate in any future debates unless Trump attended. So she's pretty <laughs> safe there because she did so poorly in the last debate with just uh, Governor DeSantis. Now, ABC had a debate scheduled, I think, for today, for tonight, and they I think had to it cancel was, it. I think it was today or tomorrow, yeah. Um, and they're not going to. Listen, I, I, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, Haley wants this to be a two-person race, right? She wants to be the alternative to Trump. And um, I'm not sure there was much to gain for either her or DeSantis, frankly, with, with another debate. And Trump is not going to debate. I mean, right, I think right. his case all along has been, uh, I'm above all of this, and 51% of the vote in Iowa didn't change that that, that thinking, right? And so, um, but that being said, Iowa has always been about retail politics. Right. I always a place where voters expect to meet you a couple of times. Maybe um, you got to get out there. You got to knock on the doors. And Nikki Haley has been doing that. And she's probably going to continue to do that uh, aggressively over the next six days. Well, do you think, uh, by the way, uh, from what I'm seeing um, on television today and in the reports I'm hearing uh, on Fox News, it almost looks like Ramaswamy is now actively campaigning to be uh, President Trump's vice president. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people, I think, campaigning for that role. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Trump, if you recall, last week said that he knew who it was going to be. Right. So, um, I don't know. I guess he can change his mind. Um, but I think you'll see over the next few weeks and months, a, a lot of people may be auditioning for that, that role. Openly, <laughs> because they have no chance for <laughs> sure. anything else. Why not? I understand. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Right. You're right. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, Jared Halpern. Thanks, Jared. Sure thing. As we continue here on this Wednesday morning or afternoon, I mean, edition of the Paul W. Smith Focus Show and Jamie Edmonds from the morning show, JR Mornings on JR with Guy Lloyd and Jamie. Uh, coming up after her meeting today, she went to the press conference for the 2024 NFL draft, and she heard from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, and uh, the great one, NBC Sports Mike Tirico, was there, and we're going to hear all about it up next here on WJR. You know, we talked earlier. Whoops. Sorry, Mr. Announcer. We talked earlier about uh, volunteers being needed for the 2024 Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, presented by Lear, Roger Penske, Bud Danker, the chairman, and Michael Montry, the president of the race, they're looking for volunteers for the May 31st through June 2nd event on the streets of the Motor City. You can go to DetroitGP.com forward slash volunteer. DetroitGP.com forward slash volunteer. Lear Corporation, Ray Scott and his team, Ray, the CEO and president of Lear, uh, giving back to the community, returning in 2024 as the proud sponsor of the Grand Prix Volunteer Program. Be a part of it. Be a lot of fun. Now, that's May 31st through June 2nd. That will be following another great event that we've, uh, we've I don't think we've ever had. Well, we've never had it while it was like the way it is now, the way Roger Goodell has made 
this uh, incredible um, NFL uh, draft, the 2024 NFL draft. It's become one of the biggest, best things ever, and we have it thanks to a lot of hard work from a lot of people. So they had a meeting today, uh, Visit Detroit, had their annual partnership meeting to highlight uh, a record-breaking 2023 and look ahead to this 2024 NFL draft, expected, among others, the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, and uh, the great one, NBC Sports' Mike Tirico, and the other great one, Jamie Edmonds, who is, of course, co-host of JR Mornings on WJR with uh, Guy and Lloyd. And uh, you were there, and you can tell us all about it, Jamie. It happened a couple, two, three hours ago, I guess. That's right, Paul. Yeah, they had this big event at Ford Field, and honestly, it was bigger than I thought it would be. It was the Visit Detroit annual partnership meeting, and since the draft is 99 days away, they had Roger Goodell come in and do a fireside chat with Mike Tirico. And they also, like you said, talked about the big year that Detroit has had. I didn't know this, but there are 45,000 hotel rooms in the city, and they're making these aggressive efforts to get even more so we can get even more events. And the hope was this goes well, this draft, and then they can get the Super Bowl again one day. So it was, it was a really big deal today. Well, it, it's a very big deal for Detroit, and uh, and uh, the fact of the matter is having that happen when it will be happening uh, in Detroit, uh, it's just going to make. That's April 25th through the 27th. Uh, then we, we mentioned uh, then May 31st through June 2nd, the uh, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear. I mean, we got a big summer ahead of us. But the, the it, there's a lot of excitement regarding this NFL draft because it has grown to be so incredibly large. And yet, because of where we're spaced, where we're going to be, uh, we're expecting bigger numbers than anybody's had. Yeah, so they're looking back at Nashville. Nashville had like 300,000 people come to that draft. And they're thinking that they could maybe exceed that because there are so many NFL cities that are in driving distance up here. When you talk about Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, et cetera, they're thinking a ton of people are going to come to this draft. And the central location is going to be Campus Marshes. But they also are making this concerted effort to have the neighborhoods be included so there are going to be different hubs around the city and neighborhoods where fans can do, go experience some really cool things. Well, it's going to be uh, fabulous. Tell us more. Tell us uh, whatever, what else you learned that you can share with us because we couldn't be there. Okay, well, so Mike Trico sits down with Roger Goodell. First question, what do you think about the Lions playoff game at Ford Field? And he said he could feel the passion, the excitement. He said it was off the charts. He actually said his niece was there, and she was telling him how cool it was. He got her tickets. So I was thinking to myself, wow, what a nice connection his niece has. <laughs> some tickets. But uh, they moved on. They had lots of questions regarding his past and how he got started. If you don't know, he was an intern in the league office, and he moved all the way up to his position that he's in now, which I think is a great testament to people just get your foot in the door. You never know what's going to happen. But then they moved on to questions of the vision of this draft. And the commissioner said they picked Detroit because of the way Detroit is um, moving in the right direction. And they believe that Detroit is just going to show off pretty much in April. And he said, do it your way. Make people understand what Detroit is all about. And he said 60 million people are going to tune in over three days. So this really will be a great 
uh, commercial for Detroit over those three days. Oh, it's going to be fabulous, and I congratulate. Uh, it's certainly great to have Roger Goodell and Mike Tirico there on the stage talking about it, but a lot of the hard work going through the people of Visit Detroit, Claude Molinari, Visit Detroit president and CEO, Alexis Wiley, uh, Rod Wood, of course, president, CEO of the Lions, and Kai Bowman, uh, the Metro Detroit Black Business Alliance. You, you visit Detroit as the catalyst for bringing business, travel, connections, trade shows, events, and leisure travelers to the region. And uh, you can get more information about Visit Detroit always at visitdetroit.com, visitdetroit.com. Are you still at the event? Uh, I'm not. I'm actually out in the real world, and it's a little loud. I apologize for that. But <laughs> it, is a, it is very loud in the real okay. world. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just sort of walking around downtown. So sorry it's so loud. That's okay. I like to hear the sound. I know that you're out and about. I know you spent your time with the annual uh, Visit Detroit Partnership meeting, highlighting the record-breaking 2023. We shan't forget that. And looking ahead to the 2024 NFL draft, all of us. I have two little. I have two more nuggets I could tell you. Oh, I, I'm I'm open for nuggets. Okay, so one nugget is. They said at the very end, they asked the commissioner, why Detroit? Why did you pick Detroit for this draft? And he said, well, for one thing, you got to credit the Detroit Lions and this turnaround that they've made in just three short years with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. The public and private partnerships that go on within our city, within our sports teams that all centralized in downtown. So that was one reason why they picked them for this draft. And the other was, he said that, he personally watched the Detroit Lions finish the season last year in Green Bay. And he said, this is a meaningless game for that team. But they came out with so much heart, so much passion, and they knocked Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. And he said, that's why we picked Detroit to open this whole season this year, because of the way they played at Green Bay. He goes, let's see what they do against the world beaters, the world champions, and look what happened in Kansas City. And wow. look where they are now, Paul. Yeah. How cool. Good nuggets. And, uh, more reason to thank Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and the entire Lions organization, teams, management, everything else, for the good that when things are going well, how great it is for Detroit. Yes, absolutely. And who knows? I mean, I feel like they could beat Tampa Bay. Maybe they go on somewhere else or host another playoff game in the NFC Championship. I mean, it's just so exciting for this city, and I'm so happy for Lions fans. How's it going for you doing your television work and your radio work with JR Mornings? I think I really have the best of both worlds. I'm really enjoying the morning show. I really like the crew. I like how you can expound on topics. You know, nine minutes is a long time. In TV, you get a minute 30. Right. So I really enjoy radio, and I think it's still really fun to pop in on television and you know, like do the playoff game last week, and that was fun, too. Well, you do a good job on all of your jobs. Jamie Edmonds, co-host, JR Mornings on JR with Guy and Lloyd. And uh, continued success. We'll be listening. And thanks so much. Of course. Have a great day. You too. Jamie Edmonds here with Paul W. Smith at WJR. Yeah, 15 degrees right now. Our, uh, our low for the day was 2. Our high for the day is 18. No, I will never get used to this. I understand. Born and raised in Michigan. I know. I know. But I'll never get used to it or accept it, I guess. 
Well, here's some good news. John Lind uh, mentioned this to me, and I said, well, come on the air with us. I can't even remember where we ran into each other, but John Lind is the founder and director of the Detroit Arsenal of Democracy Museum, and they now have a new headquarters to store their growing fleet of vintage military vehicles, and we're here to hear all about it right now. John, congratulations. I know this was an important step. Yes, sir, it was, and we are truly blessed by God to have uh, been uh, in connection with Joe and Chris from Kukar Management, who offered us the space. We can't thank those gentlemen uh, enough. They really stepped up to the plate. Well, this is a big deal. Um, I'm not familiar with Kukar Management. Is there anything you can tell us about them? Kukar Management is an international. They have properties uh, throughout the world. Uh, They have... The building that we're going to be in in Detroit is the International Hardcoat building. It's about 400,000 square feet. But they have a new hotel in downtown Detroit that they just renovated the um, Cambria Hotel in Detroit. That's one of their properties. Hmm. So they have properties throughout the world. Well, that's good to know. And it's it's very nice of them. I I know you were looking for a new space for the museum's fleet uh, that keeps growing of historic trucks, jeeps, Military cars, armored vehicles, and all of that. So, uh, so uh, saluting Joe and saluting Chris Kukar for saying, "Hey, we've got a building, and we'd be more than happy to let you stay in it." That's uh, that's that's excellent news for you. We're only I'm, I'm only I'm very blessed to be with such a gigantic support staff that I have. Uh, my communications uh, guys, uh, Tom Cleaver, Brian, and Mike. Uh, really take care of me. And then we have a now, because of our growing fleet, we have a growing uh, staff of mechanics, um, my chief mechanic, uh, Chuck and Alan, and then I have Phil, James, and Paul that helped me out. And we would have never been able to make the move out of Warren if it wasn't for Bob from Vance Towing there in Roseville. Uh, every, because a lot of the vehicles just sit. I mean, we only take them out for the parades and then they sit. And we didn't have time. We were under a time crunch uh, to move, and Bob from Vance Towing stepped up, and he brought us one wrecker after another, one roll-off, and we just we made a gigantic move last week. We only have a couple vehicles, a couple trailers. And to be fair, Scott, the acting DPW director of Warren, has bent over backwards to help us move. Uh, in fact, he's also invited us to come back to use the DPW area as a staging area for all the parades that we normally do on the east side. So we will still be doing our Memorial Day parades on the east side, thanks to the city of Warren. Well, and and people did not know, many did not know, you had temporary storage in the city of Warren's Department of Public Works garage on Stevens Road to now the new location. And, And I'm just wondering, with the Arsenal of Democracy Museum, where and when can people come and enjoy that museum? We have a building in, uh, it's a separate building uh, that is on the property. It's about ten to 12,000 square feet, which they use now for storage. So we will begin in the spring working on the outside of the building to revamp it, to bring it back to life. And they're going to clear out the inside of the building. And this is all done by uh, their uh, cars vice president, uh, Casey Hudson is is taking the lead on this, and they're going to move everything out. So we'll have a nice 
Museum right there. And then we've been invited to join uh, over at Broadhead on the east side to, as soon as they renovate that building to put a off-site campus over there uh, to bolster their new, when, once they get their building totally refurbished. The Arsenal of Democracy Museum, a nonprofit dedicated to honoring the role of Michigan, the Michigan's auto industry, defense workers, and citizens that played in strengthening the United States in times of war and in times of peace. And your goal is said to be to honor those who served our country and to educate people of all ages about the sacrifices made by our veterans. This is uh, an honorable thing that you're doing, and I, I thank you so much for doing it. And I understand uh, not only are donations of any type always welcome, but donations of time, volunteers are always needed as well. Tell me a little bit about that. We're going to need a. We're going to need to increase our number of volunteers, especially when it comes to the renovating buildings and our growing fleet. So, if anyone out there is, even if you're not mechanically inclined, if you just want to learn uh, mechanics, you would be invited. Our goal. And our expectations is to do a learning center. Uh, once we get the museum up and running, we want to do a learning center where we can bring uh, folks in, uh, especially high school age, college age, where they can learn automotive, electronics, paint, buffing, rebuilding engines, et cetera, like that. Because a lot of times we take these vehicles in, and they're in the, they're in the dire dis, you know they're in terrible state. So right. it's basically a frame-off restoration. We're actually uh, doing a frame-off restoration right now of a LVT4 amphibious tank. And we put it out last year, but it should be up and running this year. So, um, and I got to give a shout-out to my son, Tyler, who lives in Florida. He comes up here in the summertime. He's he's the best met, uh, welder and fabricator. He's so much like my dad, it's crazy. Huh. And he can do things I can't do. Well, that's you, you got to be very proud. John Lind is the founder and director of the Detroit Arsenal of Democracy Museum. Good news there for them. Uh, they're looking for volunteers. You can call John at 586-604-5393, 586-604-5393. Or if you need more information, you can visit DetroitArsenalOfDemocracy.org, DetroitArsenalOfDemocracy.org. God bless you, John, for all that you do. We really appreciate it. And I'm glad well, I can God, tell my listeners about it. God bless you, and go Lions and go Wings. Yeah, that's the truth. Go Lions and go Wings. John Lynn, founder and director, Detroit Arsenal of Democracy Museum. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you very much. Thank you. Uh, Have a great day. You do the same. Just seeing up in the news, you heard about this earlier. I heard about it earlier but forgot about it, but now I'm seeing it again. Uh, I think they're in Chicago, especially where it's especially bitter cold. They're seeing that Tesla Tesla cars are not charging. Tesla cars are not charging in the bitter cold. And haven't we always talked about batteries uh, draining faster in the bitter cold? No one should be very surprised about all this. All right. Stream us live, WJR.com, Alexa, or Google Home. Get the WJR app. Go to the greatvoice.com for the podcasts of the show. Stand by for news and JR Afternoons with the one and only Chris Renwick. You're on your way to making each and every day count. Each day is a gift. Regards, Paul W. Smith.